What's up, y'all, and welcome back to Found Bites, a game review series. My name is Brian. I'll be your host. If you don't know about us, we're all about testing out and finding small, high-quality video games. This is a podcast that aims to respect your time and money as a gamer and a consumer by sifting through storefronts and sales to find those gems that may be worth your precious resources. If you're interested in reaching out or helping out, feel free to email us at foundbytesgrs at gmail.com, tweet at foundbytesgrs, and also rate and subscribe to us on whatever podcast feed you're using. Some housekeeping. As we are winding down the year, we wanted to make you aware of some changes that are going to be coming next year. First, as a response to a lot of the feedback I've been getting from friends about the show, I'm going to dedicate one episode each month to giving quicker, rapid-fire impressions of a bunch of games, mostly ones that didn't quite make the cut for the show. We're going to give a brief synopsis of the game and sort of reasoning why it didn't make the cut. Also in these monthly installments, we're going to be highlighting recommendations for games that are currently on sale, and some of these might be games that have been on the podcast before. But mostly, this is going to be games that are currently on sale, just as like a notification, and it's going to be relevant for the time of the publishing of the episode. So this is going to encourage more listeners to stay current with us, while also trying to just notify about great deals that are currently happening. And if you've been following us on Twitter, you may have seen that I've already been doing this, but I'm not sure how many people it's reaching, and also I don't know the long-term viability of Twitter at this point. Lastly, uh, we wanted to make you aware of a special episode series that we're going to start airing monthly through the podcast called Developer Spotlight. This is going to be a longer form interview series with actual indie developers. If you are a game developer and interested in talking with me, please reach out in any of our channels. If you're a bit hesitant about it, feel free to listen to a couple of the episodes that are going to come out and see kind of what the format's going to be. I have a couple recorded so far, so I'm hoping this will be a fruitful and engaging endeavor and make for some pretty good content. We should be starting both of these changes in January of 2023, so coming up pretty soon, and they'll affect the show as follows. So these monthly sort of highlight episodes that I'm thinking we're going to call Tales and Sales, those are going to replace the last normal episode of each month as kind of a breather for all of us. And the monthly Developer Spotlight series is going to be published as additional content on about the second or third Monday of each month, depending on where things split. So lots of good things coming to the podcast. Thank you so much for listening and supporting. It really means a lot. And let's see where this thing can go next. But enough about the show. Let's get into our next game. Dicey Dungeons is the game for this week's episode. Dicey Dungeons is a dice-rolling, deck-building roguelike. And some comparable games, while I haven't played it, I hear and see from screenshots a lot of comparisons to Slay the Spire. But essentially this is going to be like a Yahtzee meets RPG. Uh, And I see a lot of similarities, especially in tone, uh, with a game called Undertale. The game was released in August of 2019 on PC and Mac, 
December of 2020 on Switch, November of 2021 on Xbox One and Xbox Series S and X, and July 2022 on iOS and Android. So right off the bat, my apologies, this game is not available on PlayStation. And I am very sorry because I know we have a pretty extensive amount of you that primarily play on PlayStation, so apologize for alienating you. I have no idea why this game is not on PlayStation. It is literally everywhere else, and I tried to do some digging, and I haven't gotten any answers. But it is, like I said, available just about everywhere else, so maybe playing on mobile could be a viable substitute. This game is also part of Xbox Game Pass, so if you own Xbox Game Pass, you can play this for free, quote-unquote for free. The game was developed by Terry Cavanaugh, who is based in London, so a single developer, and he also published the game on various platforms except for the Xbox platforms. Those were published by Radaleka Games, who also did uh, Ganbari Super Strikers. Shout-out to Terry Cavanaugh, one-man band. And also for publishing it himself on majority of these platforms. That must be uh, a pretty big endeavor. The game had a physical release in September of 2022 through Super Rare Games. And that was only on Switch because Super Rare only does Switch releases. And so the game came with a box and I think maybe an instruction booklet, but it had a limited card set. MSRP of the game on console and on uh, PC and Mac, it was released... For $14.99. And on the mobile platforms, it is $4.99. So interesting discrepancy there because I don't know how different it is on mobile. I can't imagine that it's really that different. And the Super Rare Games edition, which is live on their website. And last time I checked, I think they still have copies there. So you could still grab it. Uh, And that's US equivalent of $35 for that. Runtime of the game, 20 plus hours to do everything. It's very hard to gauge because this game I would consider like a pick up and play, kind of similar to maybe like when we talked about Void Bastards. I don't think that you need to finish this game. If you want to do it all, a little more than 20 hours, um, but that's really up to you. Me, I got this on Switch, and I've been playing it on Switch. I got this for $2. So it was kind of a no-brainer because I had seen the Twitter post from Super Rare Games talking about their release for this, and I was like, oh, this looks a little strange. Um, so it was in the back of my mind, and when I saw it on sale on Switch for 2 bucks, I was like, yeah, let me give it a shot. And I've put in somewhere between 5 and 6, maybe even closer to 7 hours playing this game. And like I said, pick up and play. It is uh, very conducive to that, especially on the Switch. Alright, let's talk gameplay for Dicey Dungeons. So this is a roguelike. 
And so you'll be doing runs where it's kind of like go until you die. But it's not going to be like endless and it's not going to be aimless. It's not going to be like this impossible run. The goal is essentially to complete each run. And when you do, you'll unlock things. Sometimes you'll unlock like a new character type where you can do runs with that character with different sort of ability sets. And then you'll eventually unlock more challenging episodes for each of the type. And so if you look at the start screen, it's where you're choosing your run. And when you first start the game, you're only going to have one option. You play as a warrior. But as you unlock things, you'll be able to select which character. And then within each character, you'll be able to select which episode, and they get more challenging as you unlock them. And so there are six character types, and each character type is going to have six episodes, so kind of like six sides of a die. The character types will also be more challenging, and they'll show like difficulty with stars, because as you unlock different types of characters, they'll have like different ways of doing things that are a bit more challenging or a bit more involved. What's interesting is that you don't always have to complete a run or beat a run with a character in order to unlock something else, especially when you first start playing, all that you have to do from what I've seen is just try a run with a character and you'll unlock the next character. That's a pretty good way of just getting people introduced and trying out which character uh, they really like. When you're playing a run, it's fairly simple. There are five levels and a boss, and you have to get through all five levels and beat the boss to complete the run. Now, the way each level works, it kind of has the format of like just these connected spaces or circles that are 2D flat on the screen. And your character, which is a die, can freely move between them. And then once they get on a space that has something on it, they can interact with it. So you can freely move through just about everything except for enemies. So they're going to be blocking your path. So when you get to a space that has an enemy, you're going to have to fight it. But everything else uh, will have things like apples which are going to just give you back health. There'll be shops where you can buy certain cards, we're going to call them, which are essentially like your weapons. There are going to be spaces that have like these little things that where you can trade one of the things that you have for one of the things that they have. Uh, this isn't always really that good or viable, but certain builds or certain character types, uh, it might be more useful. There are upgrades. It's going to look like an anvil where you can upgrade one of your cards or weapons. There'll be a blueprint where you can copy one of them, uh, and there'll be chests where you're going to find more weapons to add sort of to your repertoire. So the main thing that you're going to be doing is battling. So once you hit up an enemy that's blocking your path, you're going to go into battle. And essentially what's going to happen is, for the most part, it'll start with your turn, and it's going to be one-on-one, -on -one, you versus this character. And at the top of the screen, you'll see both of your health bars, the goal is to kill the enemy, get their health down to zero. So what's going to happen on your turn is depending on how many dice you have, it will roll the dice. It'll put up all of your cards or weapons that you have available. And what you're going to do is you're going to pick each die and you're going to put it towards one of the things, one of the weapons or cards that you're using in order to do something. So things that you can do with these, uh, primarily it's going to be do damage to the enemy. Sometimes you're going to get cards that allow you to heal. Uh, some that will actually shield you from a certain number of damage from the enemy, some that'll give status effects to the enemy, and then like some more advanced things, like they'll be like swapping dice or being able to re-roll dice, adding value to a die, uh, or reducing the requirements of, of the rest of your cards or something like that. Now the cards that you have are going to be based on what you've picked up and what you have loaded out in your sort of inventory. 
if you look at it from the standpoint of like a Western RPG and like inventory, it's going to be space based. You have six spots that you can put things in and some things take up one spot, some things take up two spots. And so you have to arrange it so that things can fit uh, and you can constantly go to it between battles and change your loadout. And you have a backpack that also has a limited number of spaces, but I've never had an issue with that. Some of the things that you might see with these cards are going to be straight damage. So, for example, it'll have a space to put a die, and it'll say do this many damage to the enemy. So, obviously, you want a high number. And so, if you have, like, a six, you're going to probably use it for that. So, you can do six damage to the enemy. Some of them are going to have, like, double damage. It'll say, like, whatever the die is times two. Some of them are going to have mins and maxes. So, it'll say, for example, the one that says, like, double your the die damage, it'll say times two, but it'll say max four. So that means you can only put a max of a four die in there. So the max you can do with that is eight damage. So a lot of little things like that. It's really self-explanatory when you see it. Some other things will have like countdowns with number totals. So it'll be like a six in the box. And you'll have to just put in dice that total up to that. And then once you reach that total, it's like a countdown. Once you reach it, uh, it'll do whatever it says it's going to do, whether it's do damage to an enemy or heal or... or do status effects or stuff like that. And these are interesting because they're multi-turn. So if you don't have enough, like if it says nine and you only have like four, it'll put the counter at five so that when it comes back up next turn, it'll be at five. So you can kind of add to it. It's almost like a dice dump. Like if there are dice that you can't use, you would throw them on something like that, which is nice. Some of these cards are repeatable. So it'll say at the bottom, like can use two times this turn or three times this turn. And so that's going to really develop some synergy with some other cards. Uh, like you might have a card that says split a die into two or like copy or duplicate a die. And so if you can use a die twice on a card that says you can use it twice this turn, you're going to wind up doing more damage. And some will even say like you can use this repeatedly an infinite amount of time. So, But most of these cards are going to be you use it once on a turn and it's done for that turn. Uh, some are even going to be, you can only use it once per battle, like some of the better ones are going to be like that. Like I said, you'll encounter upgrades, like these little anvils that are on the map. And so you can actually upgrade your cards. You can only upgrade a card once. But some things that it might do, it might increase the damage on it. It might decrease the limit. Like if it before said a, a max of four, it might jump to a max of five or no max. Some of the upgrades will actually lessen the space inventory that that card takes up, which is really cool because if you have a thing that takes up two spaces, now all of a sudden you can decrease it to one. Now you can fit other moves in your repertoire, which is nice. In terms of status effects, there are a lot of cool things that you can do to enemies that'll really help you with gameplay. There's shocking, freezing, burning, weakening, uh, some other things like cursing that I think the enemy does more to you. But a lot of these can really help you and also harm you because the enemies can do it too. So when you burn dice of an enemy, it burns a certain amount. And what happens is when you see the enemy's turn, you'll see some of their dice inflamed. And so to use those dice, you have to, I think, expend 2 HP. So this can also happen to you. Shocking, when you shock an enemy a certain amount of times, it will make it so that they can't use certain moves or certain cards. And what they'll have to do is they'll have to use a die in order to reactivate that move. So if they don't have that many dice or even that many moves, that can be a good strategy if you have a card that can shock things. 
Freezing is something else. Dice get frozen. And essentially what that does is if you freeze a certain amount of dice on your enemy or they freeze dice on you, um, whatever your highest dice are, it's going to change that many of them to one. Now, this may be a good thing if you're something like the thief, but for the most part, this is really going to hinder you. So be aware of those status effects. And what's really good about the game is there's full transparency. I never had to wonder what any of these status effects do because as you're sitting there, you can just hit one of the trigger buttons, at least on the Switch, and it'll pop up every status effect that either you or the enemy has at the same time and give you a little blurb. So you're always in control. You're always aware of uh, sort of what is plaguing you. And status effects are a good way, especially if you're fighting a boss, to kind of differentiate um, how you're doing damage. Because if you just do straight damage, you're probably going to get your butt kicked because you also want to limit the enemy. Once your turn is over, you have to manually end your turn, actually. So... Basically, whenever you're in a position where you can't use any dice or you're out of dice, you're just going to wind up ending your turn. Some of the other character types actually have things for this. Like, I think there's a, a witch that's really later on where if you have extra dice that you can't use, you can actually throw them at the enemy and do one damage. But you'll end your turn manually, and then the enemy will have their turn. And what's really nice is you watch the enemy take their turn. So you watch them roll their dice, and you see what their moves are. And you see what they do with their moves. So you can actually even get like some strategy advice by just watching the enemy because they're going to definitely maximize efficiency. And the battle will end when you or the enemy is down to zero HP. Ideally, it's the enemy. If you go down to zero HP, you're done with that run and you go back to the main menu, hence the roguelike. But if you kill the enemy, you may get some experience. You may get some gold. Gold is going to be used for shops, for buying cards or like health items if you need them, uh, or even upgrades you can buy at shops if they're available. But the XP is going to be for going towards you leveling up. And it starts very simple. Uh, you start at level one, and I think you only need two experience points to uh, advance to level two, and then like four to level three, so on and so forth. I like this. I like that it's not like a thousand XP or something like that. I always like smaller numbers. There's no reason to multiply it by like a thousand just for show. I really enjoy that it's just simple numbers here. And leveling up is good in terms of strategy because when you level up, it ups your max HP but it also puts your HP at full. So I found multiple times, like I won a battle with one HP left, but I knew that I had a level up coming, so I was fine about it. So that can sort of affect your strategy in battle because if you're not near a level up and you're like really killing this enemy and you have an option in your moves to heal yourself, you might want to maximize that before you end that battle. And when you level up, like I said, you'll increase the max, max HP, but then you may also get opportunities for new cards. You may get an opportunity to get an upgrade. And I think this is dependent on the character type because some of the more advanced ones will have different things happen. I'm not going to spoil too much. Another common thing that's going to happen is you're going to get an extra die to use in your turn in your repertoire which is great because you want more dice so then you can do more things. In terms of the characters that you have available, like I said, you're starting with the warrior. The warrior is very basic. The second one I think is the thief and then the robot. I really like the variety here. I like the challenge with some of them. The game actually gets really different when you do the different character types, especially something like the robot, just because of how they roll their dice. It's actually like you're hitting a, a almost like a slot machine type thing and it's shooting out dice and it has to 
stay within a certain range or you overload and lose your turn. So I like the variation. It can also be like specific inherent abilities that these characters are going to have. So for example, the warrior will have a character ability each turn where you can re-roll a die three times and it'll pop up just like a card would in one of your moves. It being the first character, I think it's it's a nice sort of way of getting into things. These different types are going to develop sort of unique synergy and strategy among using the cards that you have. Also with characters, you're going to have this special meter at the bottom that fills up. I think it's called different things with different characters, but I think it starts out as like the focus meter. This meter goes up by taking damage. And once it's at its max, you can use the ability, and the ability is going to vary for the character type. So for the warrior, uh, the ability, if you activate it, basically you're allowed to duplicate an action. So if you attack with a sword and you use a six, it'll do its six attack and do six damage to the enemy, and then it'll just do it again. You don't even have to reuse a die or anything like that. When you get to the thief, the thief will give you three extra ones in your dice repertoire, and this could really make a difference because some of the card moves might not even reflect the die value. It might just say do three damage, and you can put any die there. Overall, I feel like the game is very synergistic with the character type and just learning the ins and outs of each one of them. Um, the gameplay is very simple, but it does get a little interesting. When it comes down to it, it's kind of a numbers game. And so if you're math-brained, you're going to look at this and say, okay, how can I maximize my damage? How can I maximize this turn to try and uh, kill the enemy and not get hit? Things like that. Let's talk about the vibe of Dicey Dungeons. This is a very simple premise. It's not trying to do too much. So the idea here is that it's sort of like a game show. And the contestants are the different dice. And they're characters that are turned into dice. It's very silly. And there's a host to the game show. Uh, it's Lady Luck. In terms of just the overall feel, it's very understated. Like I said, very silly. It has sort of a budget feel to it but in a good way. I feel like the game doesn't take itself too seriously, and it's constantly breaking the fourth wall, has sort of humor like that. And this is where I draw a lot of comparisons to Undertale, because I see Undertale as being very similar. Visually, the game is very colorful, almost looks like construction paper cutouts with a lot of these, like construction paper like laid on top of each other to make a character. Very simple, most likely hand-drawn, and the characters are just fun and have nice little mannerisms. Like I said, all the characters are dice, and so the different types of characters that you play, like the thief has an eye patch and is holding daggers, like the robot has these robot arms. So I like the differentiation there and just the, the lighthearted fun. In terms of enemies, a lot of these are random animals. Some are people. Uh, you'll see the jester recurring. Sometimes they'll have themed attacks that go with it. Like there's a bully, 
that all they can do for the most part is hit you with fists or throw rocks at you. And then you'll have like a Yeti or an abominable snowman or something like that that throws snowballs. And the music. The music in this game, I got to be honest, when I first started playing, because I was playing on the Switch, I didn't listen to it that much because I was, you know, just sort of laying in bed playing it. Uh, We're sitting there with the sound down, but I dove into this music. This music is so cool. It's so fun. It's high energy. It's like dancey, even jazzy. This was created by an artist called Chipzel. Apparently she makes chiptune music. I didn't know what that meant, but essentially a lot of what she makes is using a Game Boy and sort of the, the sound or the audio that would come out of a Game Boy into like these house beats. Um, And a lot of them have some really good jazz, just really fun. I think perfect for a game show. It just adds some life to this game that visually you might not expect. And so it's a nice contrast that really just has you living in this moment in this game show. Some of the tunes are similar to, um, like similar sounding, the 8-bit ones at least, to like Shovel Knight. But it also has like some futuristic kind of energy, kind of like with Headlander. So I really, really enjoy this music. Not even just for the game, just to have on sort of at a party or, or something like that i think it's really really dope thematically there's some dice humor like i said lady luck is the host and so she's always making cracks uh, about things and i just like the game show aesthetic and if you beat an episode you get to spin the wheel but you never get the prize the game is just silly it's simple it's light and i really enjoy how it feels Let's wrap up the conversation about Dicey Dungeons. This is a very simple game. I know it's a roguelike, and I know in the past I've expressed my disdain for that genre, but I like this game. Maybe it's because I paid $2 for it, but there's something about this game, this pick-up-and-play vibe, where you're not very involved, you're not that invested, there's not that much depth of like characters or anything like that, but it is just such satisfying gameplay again especially if you're a numbers person i think that that's really what this game is at its core it's number strategies and maximizing efficiency and so if that's something that you're into this is a great game to just pick up and play when you're sitting around or when you're lying in bed or you know in a waiting room or something like that i really dig this game i mean i could tell within the first five minutes of playing this game that I really liked it, and it scratched the itch for me. I apologize to my PlayStation listeners. It's not available for you. Again, I have no idea why. There's no reason that this game couldn't run on the friggin' Vita. An alternative, like I said, maybe play on mobile. It's only five bucks there, and I think it's a really fun experience. I paid two bucks for it. It was a no-brainer for me. I think anything under $10, this game is is a definitely must-buy if you're a numbers person and you're looking for something to just get your brain going and be entertained by. All right, that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Stay tuned for our next episode to see what new game we found for you.